You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. One of the industries worldwide which has suffered the most because of the COVID-19, the coronavirus, has been the airline industry. I mean, and that's, of course, associated with the hospitality industry in all its different facets. On the telephone with me now is Chris Zweigenthal, who's the CEO of the Airlines Association of Southern Africa. Now, Chris, I have to admit something to you now. I used to be a plane spotter when I was a kid because my father used okay. to work uh, for an airline. I don't know if you remember in the 1960s, there was an airline in the UK called BOAC, the British Overseas Airways Corporation. And that became, do. yeah, and that <laughs> merged with British European Airways and became British Airways. And in those yes. days, I can distinctly remember my father taking me to the first, uh, to have a tour of the first Boeing 747 that was delivered to BOAC. BOAC had that beautiful livery of dark blue and a, a gold sort of arrow on on the wing. It, it was wonderful. And in those days, flying was a was a treat. It was a luxury. It wasn't the mass market that it is now. And everything seems so much simpler today. Of course, everything has changed and has unravelled horribly in the last few weeks. Yes. Absolutely. So where do we go from here? Maybe we should start in Southern Africa rather than uh, going to the international markets, which uh, also fascinate me. But obviously the demise of South African Airways is an epoch-making event. Look, I mean, obviously the uh, South African Airways is going through a tough time at the moment. And although I don't think a, a final decision has necessarily been made, and we wait to see in, a, in the president's um, speech this evening whether he will make any announcement regarding South African Airways, but obviously it is it's a it's a it's a time when we've seen the, uh, the the industry go through an enormously tough time. SAA was going through a tough time before COVID nineteen, and obviously now with COVID nineteen taking place, um, we've seen that it's it's gone through an even worse situation because there's absolutely no revenue coming in as it is as there's no revenue coming into any of the airlines. So we have a situation where COVID nineteen has basically shut down aviation in South Africa and any markets to and from South Africa and also obviously throughout the, the region, Southern Africa and Africa. I heard yesterday that there are now a total of 47, South, uh, 47 of the 54 African states are actually in lockdown at the moment. So there's just no activity and you can see that on the flight radar when you, if you go on to that as well. When you look at a company like the JSE-listed Colmair, for example, on the one hand, you'd say to yourself, well, if SAA does go to the wall, then they're going to be able to mop up some of the excess when the airways do open again, reopen, and the economy reopens. But on the other hand, can they survive another a couple of months of zero or very, very low traffic? What's your opinion? Well, from a, obviously, the, the big problem with a, with a complete shutdown of this nature is, is a liquidity price crisis that they've got. So there's absolutely zero revenue to work with. And so to be able to sustain whatever costs they and, and, and cover the costs that they actually incur as fixed costs, which are unavoidable, um, as well as trying to keep resources in place, such as human resources, and uh, to be able to be ready for a startup, they, the cash is king. And uh, I think this is, has probably become a cliche now throughout industry and every business and um the question that we have we know that's from on average in africa and probably this is the case in south africa and south african airlines is that uh, we've probably got about two two months of cash available on average some may be better off some may not be as, as well off it depends on their individual situation so if we take that from the beginning of april uh, from the end of March, beginning of April, and you take two months to the end of May. So we've basically got until the end of May, but I wouldn't, we'd never want to get to the end of May. So the sooner we can 
start getting um, ourselves back on track um, and and start to do operations and get um, passengers back on board uh, and start operations going the better. Uh, so th- that's where we we are at the moment. I mean, it's a it's a very tough environment. I haven't been to a South African airport for many many weeks, but if I went to Oar Tambo or Cape Town International Airport right now, what would I see? Just a lot of aircraft, all parked and jostling for parking spaces. How's it working? Well, you wouldn't even get as close to the airport, as far as I know. Um, I'm aware that as you go, go approach the airport, um, obviously you're not supposed to be at the airport unless you have got a specific essential services. Um, permit and you would be stopped at before the entrance to the airport through and, and obviously check to see if you have any reason to go there. So mm. you wouldn't get there, but obviously the air, aircraft are certainly you know, the first step that they took to when, when there was a grounding was obviously there was a very orderly process of parking aircraft and ensuring that they're secured and, um, you know, the engines and everything was just securely protected and, 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 and the asset is well, well looked after during the time of, of, of shutdown. Um, and so those aircraft, as you rightly say, that you would, you, if you got there, you would certainly see that. Um, and and obviously, it's a very empty airport. Other than what has happened with some of the repatriation flights, which have operated out of Tambo and from Cape Town International Airport. And of course, the airlines have to pay fees. I mean, every time, every hour that you're parking your aeroplane at a AXA facility, Airports Company South Africa facility, you're getting charged. Is that the case? That's another fixed cost that we don't really think about. We as an industry together with IATA and BASA have actually approached um, all the infrastructure service providers to basically ask them to waive all those costs because there's obviously no, there's no operation, there's no income coming in. They're in the same sort of situation. They're getting no no uh, revenue or income from uh, landing charges, parking charges uh, in terms of the, of the normal day of operation and um, also the passenger service charges that you would get from departing from the airports. So the, the, we have asked for them. Uh, they've come back to us and said they're looking at the process because obviously from an operational perspective, we would like to try and um, reduce the burden on the airlines from an operating cost perspective once we get going. But I would um, you raise a good question. I would hardly believe that the, um, the airports company is charging parking charges while we have got a grounding at this moment in time. That would be... I don't believe so. I, it's interesting. I never, never thought of that one. Never asked the question, but I don't believe they would be charging um, char- uh, parking charges for this uh, situation as, uh, on a shutdown. Yes, because I remember reading a story about London's Heathrow Airport, and some airlines had to fly empty in order to keep their slots because obviously they're so coveted these slots at Heathrow yes, as one yes. of the biggest and most important airports in the world. So uh, the airline had to make the decision of flying with only three people on it, or something like that, and landing and parking it, and then taking off again in order to maintain its pecking order, if you like. But then I think Heathrow came to some arrangement there as well. There are so many moving parts here, Chris. Well, in South Africa, there's no doubt uh, one of the first steps we did take was to go to the slot coordinators and basically say, can we get a wave of the of the IR to slot rules in terms of a user or loser type process for the duration of the lockdown and on each airline who's applied for that has certainly been granted um, a waiver of, from the flight rule uh, from the slot rules. So we don't have we didn't have that situation where people were flying just to try and keep their their numbers uh, up, their numbers of slot utilisation up. So yeah, I think there's there's been a very good. I, I'll really be honest with you. I think there's been a fantastic cooperation between the uh, the various infrastructure service providers, the airlines at the at the various airports. Um, the process in which some of the repatriation flights have been un- undertaken has really been great. And I think there's been 
a very good um, cooperation between all the stakeholders to ensure that we do this properly. And I think uh, we're going to come, you know, the, the whole operational area is going to come out looking good after this um, in terms of that process. You're not an economist, but of course, you keep an eye on the, the role that the airline industry plays in the economy of South Africa and, and Southern Africa. Do you think that when things reopen, that it will be, it will go back to the way it was? Do you think that certain airlines, whether it be Safair or or, um, or, or Comair with British Airways and Kalula, etc., do you think they will be able to take up the slack and run efficiently? because people do need to travel, whether it be for business or for pleasure. And if people start coming into South Africa, they need to go from Johannesburg to Cape Town on a local flight, that sort of thing. Or will it take a long time? In other words, is it going to be a slow process or to be snapped straight back into it? No, I believe it's going to be a very slow process. In fact, the projections are such that uh, that when we, get, when we get lockdown lifted and we start an operation, I think we will start with domestic services. And those the domestic services will probably go from from zero, which set currently is safe. Safe was to start during May, and I don't think we'd get to even more around seventy percent of 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 passengers by the end of this year, so maybe by December. And to get a hundred percent of what twenty nineteen figures would have been like um, will probably take us way into twenty way into twenty twenty one. A situation regarding the international situation, there would definitely be a lag between the start-up of, of the international services. And, in fact, um, a lot depends on how the respective states and governments will look at opening up their borders. They will be looking at each other, saying, how, how have you done in terms of curbing the COVID-19 spread? Are your statistics declining? Are you, are you, are you looking good? And then, on that basis, looking at the risks involved, they may decide to start opening up borders in a phased, phased fashion. Um, the, the rules in terms of accepting people from certain high-risk countries, again, would be up for discussion, and, and that would be very much related to the, the process of assessing, uh, you know, the, 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 the low versus high-risk countries. Um, one hopes that there is a, a very structured pr- process to get this done. But in terms of, 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 um, of international traffic really returning, there's a view that, this may take well into 2021, mm. and to get to 2019, 2019 levels of, of passengers, it could be anything from two to three to four years. Um, again, I'm not saying that that's that's correct, but it's certainly it's not going to be a, a rapid um, rapid uh, uh, increase again. I think you're seeing in, in some states. I saw a presentation done by Arta um, that was presented that showed that even in some of the um, in some of the states or countries that where domestic services are um, are starting to open up here, there is a they're not even able to get be, be, be higher than 20, 30 percent at the moment. It's plateauing, and you've got to get one of the things that the airline industry is going to have to do, and together with tourism and and the travel and tourism trade, is to start um, you know marketing the and restoring the confidence of the passenger to fly again and to be able to to be in, in places with other people and, and feel comfortable that they are not at risk. And so a whole lot of processes and protocols and procedures are going to be developed over the next couple of probably days and weeks um, to, to enable safe return to travel and hopefully get confidence up and get people wanting to, to fly again. Uh, the disposable income is going to be a big issue because uh, there's, you know, we talk about a potential uh, recession and so the first thing people look at is disposable income and will think twice about maybe getting onto an aircraft. But we hopefully, you know, we'll be able to 
to entice people back onto the aircraft. Well, let's hope so. Um, I know your expertise is in Southern Africa, but you must keep a very watchful eye on places like Europe, the, the Far East, and also the United States of America. And talking about parking aircraft, somebody said to me, I'm sure during an interview, that there were... Uh, 80,000 aircraft that had been parked, not at, uh, so much at airports, but in areas like those places that you, you often see in, in films, you know, those, those old boneyards, those aircraft boneyards, and people just have to park mm. them there. They can't afford to be at airports. Are you hearing the same sort of thing, or is that an outlandish amount, 80,000 aircraft? I, I wouldn't actually know the number, to be honest, Lindsay. Um, so, but I would definitely say in the same way that they had to park them in the United States during 9-11, you would probably not be able to accommodate every single aircraft mm. in, in, at airports. So you would have to put them in, in, in yards and in places uh, to keep them such as what you saw in the in the desert. In the last year or so, there's been a couple of quite high-profile domestic carriers in, in Europe that have gone to the wall. Do you think there'll be more after this? Look, it's a very tough one. We're obviously, we're obviously not working with the, in the South African side with the South African government. We put a proposal together to find ways to support the airline industry, and, and obviously we know that there's there's uh, we we believe we've got a case that obviously ensuring that the airline industry survives will actually have a have a ripple effect on the survival of uh, and the re-energizing of the travel and tourism business and all associated industries that go with that. So it's important that we keep going. At the same time. If we don't get support for the airline industry, and if there's a further delay in lifting the lockdown, then obviously, the as we discussed earlier in our conversation, the the cash crisis gets even worse and worse. And then you may have carriers that start to really look at the at, at what their next steps are. And we just hope that um, that we can get going, and we can, or, or we can get the support in as quickly as possible, so that we avoid that situation. Um, obviously, we think there could potentially be a bit of an overcapacity in the market, depending on how quick the up- uptake of the of passengers coming board back on on to fly again is but um i think there's there's a room for the 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 the, the airlines that are still here and obviously it's important and we hope that they will be able to survive and get through this and, and start flying again yes and hopefully the same uh, the same optimism filters through to airbus and boeing and other uh, aircraft uh, manufacturers yes. themselves because they're also under massive massive pressure the final thing is probably one ray of light and that is the the, the price of oil i'm looking at the price of oil on my screen now and it is currently well, after yesterday's mauling, Brent crude oil down another 23.2% today to $19.64 a barrel. Now, jet fuel wow. is obviously part of a, a barrel of crude oil. It's, uh, yes. it's part of the crack, uh, the crack as they call it, of a, of a barrel. Now, jet fuel has been remarkably stable over, over a period. It was not that long ago close to $2 a gallon. The last price I've got here is April the 14th, just about a week ago, and it was 66 cents. So it's gone from $2 to 66 cents. That's surely good for Southern African airlines, even with the depreciation of the currencies, for example, the RAND. So uh, at least their fuel bill is going to be a bit lower, Chris. Absolutely. I think uh, a figure was around about, on average, uh, of a direct operating cost. I think the numbers were around about uh, 20 to 25%, depending on your airline, 25% of direct operating costs. Um, now, with the reduction, we're probably going down to the mid-teens, uh, so about 15% of direct operating costs. So there's no doubt that it'll, it'll significantly improve the situation. What I think um, came out as well from one of the IOTA studies was that um, you, they, they've talked about 314 billion US dollars loss in revenue over the, for globally for the year. 
And their sense was that the loss would be half of that because you would be saving the the costs on um, obviously costs during this period when you when you don't uh, operate, but also from the reduced cost of oil and obviously the impact and the consequential benefit to um, to, to to jet fuel. I think one of the biggest concerns with it, there are is there's a number of states and probably in Africa which are reliant on oil revenue, and of course that is now not a great thing. For, for states relying on oil revenue, the picture is the fact that they that it's crashed and that the oil oil price has crashed. But you know, it's 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 uh, it's at least some benefit that will come to the airlines. Let's hope so, Chris. Thanks so much for your analysis. That's Chris Zweigenthal, who's the CEO of the Airlines Association of Southern Africa. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors, and do not reflect the policy position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.